Hello everybody, welcome back to Beyond AIO from Odyssey Geek. This is still Austin, and I still have Michael with me, and we're still reviewing the first new album of Jonathan Parker, The New Adventures, The Dreamer's Tomb. Welcome back, Michael. And I'm still alive. Hi! <laughs> yep, that's always good. Yay. <laughs> Alright, so in the last episode, we talked about the first six episodes, and now we're going to be talking about Secret of the Nile, parts one through three. And Disappearing Bones, parts one through three. Mm -hmm. I will say prepping for six episodes uh, it takes a really long time. And fortunately, I wasn't as bored this time going through all the episodes at once. But that also means that I didn't have uh, as uh, like as detailed notes on some of the later episodes. So, yeah, it, it's it's kind of it's weird. I have some thoughts overall. Um, I'll say I, I think I like this six-parter more, or this six-episode block more than the last six episodes. But... I'm anxious to see what your thoughts are on it, too. Yeah. I found it easier to listen to this time, this yeah. latter half of the album. Like I told about in our last review, I've gotten over, you know, how jarring it was from the old adventures. Right, right. So I can appreciate it a little bit better now, and I think the latter half is better than the first half. Yeah, yeah. Well, although I do have some very, eh, very eh thoughts on the ending, but we'll, <laughs> we'll get to those later. All right. Well, before we uh, go on, um, I didn't mention in the last episode, but one of the AIO connections for the series is Jared does the music for at least the first two albums or series. This is true. And he does a lot of Odyssey episodes as well. So there we go. There's a connection mm -hmm. for Beyond AIO. <laughs> well, it's funny because there was one point in here where I was really getting flashbacks to Jared's music for David and Absalom. Oh, okay. I don't know why, but yeah, I was, was kind of hearing some of him in there. Mm-hmm. So it continues in part one of Secret of the Nile. Jonathan's continuing doing this recap thing, which I think we talked a little bit about it in the last time, but I assume that you don't like recaps at all. <laughs> but do you think it's a better recap than having like, you know, scenes like, you know, previously on Metro's and Odyssey kind of does? Do you think this is better or would you like a clip one better? Well, here's the thing. Did we have any of this last time? I think this is the first time we've had Jonathan doing the voiceover recap. Hmm. I know in the first in the first three episodes at the beginning we had like just like the intro to the series, like the yeah. theme song and all that. But I can't remember if the last three of I can't remember what they were called now. The mysterious statue, right? Oh yeah, mysterious statue. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I wrote down in my notes. Uh, I don't know if it's better or if it's worse. And then two lines later, I'm like, it's worse, <laughs> because well, because here's the thing. Like with a, a clip recap, we get to see everything that already happened and have our memory jogged that way. But in this way, it's kind of weird because. Where is Jonathan? What's he doing? Why is he telling us the story? Are you dropping pieces from the story? What what just happened from the previous episode that you're recapping in this one? What details might you have missed? I don't know. It it makes me feel like it doesn't do the I don't know. It's okay. But if you and you, but if you have to do a recap, I would say do it the other way. I didn't like it when Chris did it in Odyssey. I would much rather have the previously and then the the clips from the previous episode. That's just me though. Yeah, I know I know in Audio Theater Central they've talked about They've talked about this a lot, I think, especially Andrew. Yeah. But it, I think that comes from our, you know, our era of binge listening. <laughs> because, you know, in the past, you know, you had, to wait, we, you had to wait week to week to hear an episode. So those recaps were really helpful if you forgot some details. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, Jonathan's recap was helpful a couple times. Where I was like, I don't know where you were in that last episode. And then he's like, we read here. That Okay, that's good. Um, but, again, it would have been serviced just as well with a clip recap. Yeah. Anyway. So... Near the beginning, uh, I guess Lita and Dr. Quinn are finally suspecting, okay, someone's out to get us. Yeah. About time, right? Yeah, they're like, well, well the thing is, they, they're trying to figure out who could have done this, who was here. Like, why would anyone 
be at the dig who would have done this and they're saying like there's no one around for miles so they're thinking maybe it was somebody who was already at the dig and also there's a, a thing later about the um like they didn't hear his motorcycle and i thought oh that's actually a that's actually a pretty good moment uh like a pretty good realization right there yeah it was an inside job <laughs> the butler did it <laughs> i think it was an inside that's a good episode anyway <laughs> And we also find some pretty surprising details um, from Jesse's research is that Dr. Maddox, he had a book that was different than the new book he was writing, and he used to believe in the Bible. Well, we skipped over a bunch of scenes here. I had a, I had a lot to talk about here in the beginning, if you're cool with that. Okay. Yeah, go ahead. Well, I think I, I, starting off in this one, picking up the, the last scene, I liked the last scene of the last review that we did with uh, Jesse and Lita. I liked their interactions. But then here... We get the continuation of that and a little bit of an action scene between Jonathan and Isaac chasing after this guy who fires a gun and he's then like hiding behind the propane tanks and the propane tanks are foreshadowing for what's going to happen eventually later. Uh, and it's it's cool. But then immediately after that scene, we go back to, okay, talking about what just happened and there's no like, there's no ambiance. And it just it, it, when the music comes in, like that's great. But in the meantime, when there's nothing in the background, it makes the voice track edits even more noticeable when they're static in the background. Yeah. So I'm thinking, oh, okay. Well, you're learning. But uh, all throughout this, Maddox is like, oh, maybe it's this or maybe it's that. Like, okay. We already know he's the bad guy, so we know he's going to be questioning everything. So it's funny. <laughs> yeah. You're right. You're right. It is suspicious. I think you should ignore it. <laughs> I can't remember that quote, right? But you probably do. <laughs> well, I, I forget. There's a, So he, he's talking about the... He's talking about the snake uh, later on in these episodes, and he has a funny quote there, but I can bring that up when we get there. Uh, and then there's uh, all the sound effects and the ambiance for Cairo, which I thought was really good. Uh, I don't know if they're walking through the street or something, but you can hear everyone bustling around and the cars, and they're describing donkey carts and bicycles and cars uh, all using the, s- the same road. I thought, yeah, that's kind of cool. Mm-hmm. I found it interesting them mentioning an internet cafe, which yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's kind of old lingo, I guess, or old language from like, in the U.S., like, back in, like, the late 90s, yeah. early 2000s, maybe. But I guess mm-hmm. maybe since maybe, uh, in Egypt, um, you know, technology is a little bit slower getting to them, maybe. Right. So maybe it's not quite as big of – it may be a big deal to them over there, like a place where you can get internet, where now you can get internet basically everywhere at your house. Yeah, I wonder if they were talking about their SIM cards and everything. And first off, is that a thing where you, if you lose your SIM card for your phone, you can just go buy a new one and have it still connect to the cell towers and everything like that? I think it's if it's the same um, – cell phone provider or if you got a different cell phone provider but you might get a different number no i think like if they had like say they had at&t in the u.s and got at&t over there i don't know if that how that would happen or not i didn't get roaming and that kind of stuff in different countries but yeah if you got a new sim card like i had to get a new sim card for a phone sim card you need a smaller one or something like that i had to get a new one but I still got my same number, same service, and all that. Okay, well, I was wondering because Jonathan talks about it like it's just getting a new battery or something. I thought, well, there's a ton of information on that SIM card that I don't know if you could just replace. So, eh, I don't know. I should know this better, but I don't. Um, I'll learn this eventually. Well, I think like they can deactivate older SIM cards once you put the new ones in, so you can't use that other SIM card like to get service on that one. Right, right. So that, that kind of makes sense. Um, but then they also have this plan where there's this guy following them in the market, and Jonathan says, okay, so if he's following Jesse and me, then I'll stay with Jesse and Isaac, you go do this. And if he's following you, Isaac, then I'll go get the SIM cards. And then in the next scene, Jonathan's like, hey, I got the SIM cards. And I'm like, oh, I guess he was following Isaac then. What's Is Isaac okay? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I noticed, I think around that scene, there was some acting from Isaac that was just very bland. <laughs> like some very, almost like, almost like reading the lines there. Like it wasn't all throughout. There was a little bit 
later in the series. We'll get into that. I'm constantly reminded, especially in this latter six, how different Isaac Brennan is from the guy we see later on in the series. Mm-hmm. Like, a totally different person. Yeah. And they talk about, I think, I'm not sure how they talk about in Cairo, but they have been to Egypt before. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I can't remember if they talk about this in the new series or not, but basically album nine that came out before this there's an album 10 but they don't it's not canon really re- yeah well it is canon it is canon it works <laughs> i don't know why anyway it's a little bit different and actually that one album 10 has narration from jonathan throughout is that the first time that they did that and that's maybe why they don't have it as part of the canon Ah, uh, okay so it was just it was just too different for him then maybe well it's it's a really fun album you should get an interview with those people and see why did you strike it from the canon that doesn't make sense but yeah album nine is called the whispering sphinx which is a really great album. It's probably the best of the original series, and it takes place in Egypt, and there's a lot that happens in Egypt. So I can't remember if they acknowledge it or not a whole lot in this, but they have been to Egypt. They have been to Cairo and Cahoon, I think, in some other areas maybe. That's cool. To me, you know, you know, long-time listener of the old series, it was kind of like, eh, you've, done, you've kind of done this thing before. But I know for you it wasn't it wasn't a big deal. Mm-hmm. And they, they didn't – they haven't referenced – like, was it in the first episode? Would they ha- would that have been the place to reference? We've been here before, because here uh, they don't. Yeah, they might have a little bit in the first one, but like I me, mean, they act like they hadn't been a lot of different places. I know they knew Akiva, and Kiva was in uh, the Whispering, Whispering Sphinx. Sphinx. Okay, yeah, continuity. Hey, you can't ask too much about that, right? <laughs> and then we find out. I can't remember if it's before or after the library, but they find out that Jesse's dad has been arrested or yeah, something. that's. That what why how just immediate like with what so I get the evidence and I I am one to talk about arresting somebody with barely any evidence but what what is going on here why how could they just arrest him if he gets a package for something like somebody sends you a package and like all right well you're going to jail that doesn't make it's sense. circumstantial evidence at the I, most I think sure sure okay fine we'll go with that but yeah that's that's not good and Jesse's like it was Doctor Maddox and Jonathan's like Jesse. You shouldn't accuse someone like that without any evidence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And at this point, uh, I think Jesse finds out about Dr. Maddox's old book with a dedication to Sarah that yes. she might know the truth. And then his new book? D- didn't she say that he has that a dedication in there too? Yeah, the same thing. But the first book, he believed in the Bible. And this new one, he's trying to disprove the Bible. Right. So what's going on there? I, I think that that was brought up too in the, the last batch where... She said she had dug up some of his older articles where he was defending the Bible, right? So this is kind of confirming that suspicion before. At this point, well, probably maybe a little bit later, they start making the character's automatics a little more, I guess, sympathetic. Yeah. Or at least making his backstory a little bit more clear. Oh, yeah. the next And the next series is fantastic for his character. Even though his character has always been kind of eh, eh overall, but I like that once once they're fleshing out who exactly he is, then it's better. I just think that... His his bad guy vibes and his plan was so poorly executed in the last six parts that it's kind of hard to, I don't know, to feel like this guy's intelligent. And also the constant quips that he's making where he's always like, you can't prove that, or, oh, don't put the Bible in there where you need evidence for and stuff. He's just always going back to the same thing over and over. It, it gets a little tiring after a while, honestly, but hey, if that's who he is, sure, I'll, I'll hang with it. He's, he's not, like, I like this series. I really like this. I'm just thinking that, I think Maddox could have been executed a little better. Mm-hmm. There was another thing here where they're talking about that Jesse knows that Dr. Maddox admitted to being behind everything. 
And she says, well, no one would believe me if I said anything. And Jonathan said, well, yeah, well, I believe you, but I don't think anyone else would. And I think, oh, wait a minute. That could be why Jesse was being played up as so immature earlier in the series to kind of make it so that no one would believe her. But that isn't even really followed up upon either. Aside from this conversation, if that was the reason why she was being dumb earlier, then for her to go to, to Dr. Quinn and say, hey, I think I know who's behind it. He's like, Jesse, I don't trust you. But we already have those moments where he's like, I do trust you. And I do think you're trustworthy. So I don't get this plot point fully. I still don't understand why he, I don't fully understand why he told her he was behind it. And I don't understand why she thinks that no one would believe her. You know? Yeah. And I think, I haven't, I think out of my notes uh, earlier or maybe for the last review that there was a point they were talking about, we got to talk about we got to talk to Dr. Quinn about this, about Dr. Maddox, I think, and they never do. Yeah. Well, that was that's later on in the scene, right after she talks about the stuff about Sarah. They ask, should we go to Dr. Quinn? But I thought you just said that no one would believe you. And, you know, eh. Small right. plot hole. I, I, I get what they're going for. I just think it could have been a little more consistent. Yeah. But I, I do like her, like, talking about, like, how she feels that maybe, like, what she did was God humbling her. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Trying to become more becoming a famous journalist and all that and maybe not having her priority straight and doing what god really wanted her to, to do which they i think they talk about that i don't think they resolve it completely there but it's some great you know like thinking out loud they're like okay what why is this circumstance happened which we'll find out later about some parallels to some stuff in the bible but um she probably has the most character change maybe in this of the three you know like jonathan jesse and isaac maybe isaac probably a second but she has probably some of the most growth from like being super immature and all that. Yeah. And she grows to, you know, think these things through, which even though I don't like how they made her character so immature and so different from how she was in the old series. But for this, I can see it. It works a little bit better once I see, you know, OK, they're setting this these things up for this story. Yeah, she's not too she's not she doesn't do a lot in the second half of this. Whereas in the first, since we were going through that growth, she got a lot to do and a lot of action and a lot of development. And here it's it seems like now that she's gone through this, the writer doesn't really know what to do with her in terms of, okay, well, we're, we're having her stick around and follow the other characters. But she doesn't have a lot of individual action she does on her own. Do you know what I mean, if that makes sense? Yeah, she's just there, I guess. Sure, sure. And and it, it that's, that's fine, I guess, because she does get more later on and uh, – Things to come in the future with John Fornoff and whoever wrote the the newest one, I forget. Uh, but those uh those do a lot for her character. And there was a thing about the the discussion they were having that I wrote down. This is why this kind of long form storytelling in a twelve parter with the same characters is really good because it lets us have conversations like this that we can use to see and track these character develop these characters developments throughout these episodes like if, if this was a variety show or a shorter series we'd have to go from plot from plot point to plot point and show the character's development differently but i i like this I, I like how we can just take a break and have have discussions like this it's good yeah and then later they're at the museum and did we talk about uh rashida tarkin much in the last review uh, i think we did a little bit how she's how she's there at the dig um i like her here yeah and if i remember right she's she's in the next album mm -hmm. quite a bit I, th I think. I know there's another lady who's in the next album. I don't know if that's Dr. Tarkin, um, but yeah, it's someone there. I think they get to the museum with Dr. Quinn and them, and they see the person following them is talking to Dr. Maddox, which, yeah, big suspicion, but he gives the suggestion, or he gives the implication, oh, he was 
you know, trying to sell me something or whatever, and then he got mad. Like, I have no idea why this happened. I'm not the bad guy. <laughs> yeah. Here's a here's a thing of where I don't I'm very hesitant to use show don't tell to say that, but wouldn't it have been a little bit more creative if we could pan over to Maddox and the guy and just hear part of their conversation, hear him get punched, and then or like try to like almost get punched, I guess, and then hear Dr. Quinn running over, which is I, I think what happens or or whatever. And hear all of this action taking place, rather than have the characters just describe it all. Yeah, because we know Dr. Maddox is the bad guy, so even if we hear the conversation, we'd uh, we would already know what was going on, and it would have made it more dramatic, maybe. Like, we know, like, we know, but the characters don't. Right, or we can just have half the conversation, where the first part, maybe they confirm that Maddox is behind some of it, and then the second half is just them arguing, and they could be arguing about that, they could be arguing about something else. But the question is here, did you not have that because it would have been hard to sound design, or did you not have that because you didn't think of it? Because if it's hard to sound design, I, I get it. You're not operating on the, the biggest, I don't know what the budget was for these these original ones, but they're not um, they're not as up to par as the as the later episodes. So I, I get that if you're not do, if you're doing it because you don't think you can, but from a storytelling perspective, it would be a lot cooler if we could have seen that scene. Yeah. Anyway. So, um, if you don't have anything else to talk, talk about the museum there, nope. um, nope. we can go to the boat scenes now. Woohoo! Yeah, I like the I like the ambience here. It's great. Yeah, they're in. I think the boats are called a Faluka, right? Yes, the Faluka. There are two of them, right? Yeah. Um, I think like three in one or three in the other, or something like that. Mm-hmm. I, I never know how to, to treat Maddox when he's just hanging out with the rest of the group because he's, he's got a line where he says to Lita, would you take my hand, my dear? And she says something like, certainly. Would you take my camera as well? Or something, and I, I'm like, I don't know what's going on here. Are they are they flirting with each other? What is this? <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't get that impression. He acts like it's really smooth. Uh, I mean, sometimes he acts like this, you know, really polite, polished individual. And sometimes he's you know, like a little more, you know, outbursts and that kind of stuff about things. But yeah. I think it's part of his, you know, just like, you know, being just really polite to everybody. Like, no one can possibly suspect me if I'm polite. That makes sense, right? And But then every other sentence, he's, like, ba- just bashing the Bible. So I think, okay, is that your is that your idea of polite? All right, all right, we're good. So it's kind of odd at first because I mean, the artwork you see for this uh, three-parter is a crocodile. And, of course, they go with that one instead of a water buffalo, which the water buffalo starts <laughs> tipping them first. <laughs> well, you know, because everybody's got a water buffalo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but thankfully, thankfully, uh, the big bad water buffalo is scared off by the uh, meek and mild crocodile. <laughs> well, doesn't the water buffalo like does it get eaten by the crocodile? Is that what happens? Yeah, I think I think so because Jesse comments about it. I think. Yeah, like oh, <laughs> Jesse's like poor buffalo never had a chance. I'm like oh, you just did that. Okay. Yeah, and with this, I know they also like the boat ramming thing, but in the whispering sphinx, in the whispering thing, in the whispering sphinx album. They do have a scene in the boat where crocodiles are uh, attacking them in the boat. So it's kind of a little bit of deja vu. Like, eh, yeah, I know it's in Egypt. You want to have that kind of thing. But them adding the, the boat ramming and all that, too, made it a little more um, intense, I think. Yeah, yeah. Especially uh, kind of continuing the thing from last episode or last uh, last review where most of these sabotages just seem to be really disconnected. But they all happen at random. Like things are going all right, and then all of a sudden, boom, something happens. Is that what happens later on with the air, the hot air balloon too, with the the burner, not activating? Was that a sabotage? Ah, uh, it, it's so minor. I I don't really think much about it. I don't know. Never can tell though, right? <laughs> yep. 
at the cliffhanger for this episode, Maddox is in the water, and yeah. I actually feel kind of sor- sorry for him a little bit. Yes, right. Even though I know the story, it puts a point, okay, he's in danger, you know, he's still a human, mm-hmm. then we gotta help him, and they do uh, rescue him in the next one, which Jonathan does, and then he complains about a kid rescuing him. Yeah, he does. Well, the thing is, we just saw him vulnerable. This is like Blaggard in Waylaid in the Windy City, where Richard had him in a very vulnerable position there. It's also like... Uh, I'm trying to think of other characters on Odyssey or other parallels to that where you have, have somebody who you've just seen as a bad guy or someone who acts like a bad guy and then all of a sudden they're put in a circumstance or a situation where they are uncomfortable and where you see more about them and how they think, how they act. And so for Maddox, he's just gone through this. He's like, that was very embarrassing. I got to explain why it's embarrassing. Well, because this kid who I don't even trust and who's not as experienced as me, pulled me out. Like, how, how do I think about that? And so it shows how he thinks. And I, uh, I appreciated the look into his, into his psyche there. Mm-hmm. I will say, I have my notes here, not enough music when getting on another boat. Like when they were talking about, because the one boat was sinking on the other, I felt there should have been more music there. Yeah. Because it would added a little more of a tension there. I know they had some music like with the boat ramming and stuff, but I think the music was... I mean, Jared's music is great. I just don't think he wrote enough or they had put his music in there. Whoever was sound designing put enough of his music in there because it felt a little flat after a while. Yeah, I was a little confused as to what was going on. I thought, oh, there was a hole in the boat. Oh, no. <laughs> that was kind of the feeling I got. Like, oh, we just got to go to the other one. Yeah, the music should should be pushing you towards that uh, thought already. Like, they got to move. It's sinking. Right, right. And maybe have a little bit more urgency in the voices, more sound design of the water rushing in. But we didn't have that, so... Hmm. We will, we will though. I I seem to remember something in New Jonathan Park where they have, or like after this, where they have, uh, sound design indicating that like there's something, something urgent going on. So they go from a boat to a hot air balloon. Yay! Which I would really love to be in a hot air balloon sometime. Even though I've heard so many bad stories about people have <laughs> things happening, like in Downey Lane and Jonathan Park and maybe some other stuff too. But I think it'd be so cool to be in a hot air balloon. Hey, we need a balloon on Odyssey. If the other audio dramas have had it, we need we need to get one on there. I don't think there's ever been a hot air balloon. Well, uh, Jesse mentions about you know being from New Mexico where they have like the hot air balloon festivals. Yeah, that's so cool. I've seen pictures of that. I am so sad. I lived in New Mexico for almost 15 years and never went to <laughs> the festival in Albuquerque. What? Oh come on, you were there. You could have just gone. <laughs> <laughs> it's about three hours away. We didn't get down to Albuquerque too often, <sighs> but hours. we did have where I lived in Gallup. In the mall parking lot that we had there, um, around, I think in December maybe, or November, they would have these hot air balloons. They weren't, like, you know, in the sky. I think they, they we would fly them in, I think. But they had them, like, a, it was like a balloon lighting or something like that, where they had okay. all these different balloons, different shaped balloons, and you'd walk around the parking lot to these different ones and look at them. Yeah. That was cool. I do remember mm-hmm. going to that. Nice, nice. I would love to do that at least once in my life. And, you know, Audio Theater Central was complaining about how uh, how close together the, the conversations are in here, or, like... It was, some, it was something along the lines of, well, if they're on one side of the hot air balloon, they're on the other side, and yeah. they're saying that they couldn't hear the other. I, I'm thinking, well, there are ways you could have done it. Like, I know they're speaking a little bit too loudly. We don't hear everyone in the background. But, again, that's just because the production isn't as high on this. If it were good, we would have heard a lot of muffling on the other people on the other side of the basket. Maybe Jonathan and Isaac would have been a little quieter. I can, I can understand. I can see it happening. And we as the audience just get to hear a clear conversation, which, sure, sure, I, I'm down for that. Yeah, I mean, for a while I forgot, wait, are they still in the hot air balloon? Because it doesn't sound much like you don't hear people in the background much. And I was thinking that, yeah, there's not much space in there and they're having this private conversation. Well, the implication is that Jessie's like yelling like, hey, I see that, look at that over there, because we fade out on her doing that. Yeah, well, 
the way that's done great with sound design is I think in Only by His Grace on Odyssey, where Mandy and David and their dad and what's his name takes him up in a hot air balloon and like Mandy and Oh, there is a hot air balloon on Odyssey. Oh, I am. Yeah. Oh, I'm but they a were <laughs> they were in danger in that one though. Oh. How could I forget that? Why did I forget that? Uh-uh. <laughs> because if they weren't in danger, it's not memorable. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, that's a good episode. I, can't, it I is. need to remember that one. But in that one, like Mandy and David, like they're kind of whispering. And when his when their dad gets off the phone, it's like, oh, what are you guys talking about? Like he acknowledges that they are talking, but he didn't mm-hmm. necessarily hear everything they were talking about. Yeah, yeah, because we, we shifted the conversation between them. Uh, and then we go back, like back to him. And is he talking all the time in the background? Mm, I think so. Like when they start whispering about after like the bowling league thing or something. Right, right. Anyway, anyway. But this conversation with Isaac, I really do like. It's a great heart-to-heart there, I mm-hmm, think. Mm-hmm. And it's – I was thinking we start off talking about wh- – who who was it in Jonathan's life who passed away? Uh, it's Jonathan's grandpa, which I would assume that would be his mom's dad, which would be Martha's dad, because we hear Jonathan's grandpa in uh, Light in the Shadows, which is um, Kendall's dad. Well, also Pursuit of Destiny, right? Or is that his uncle? That's his uncle, I think, or great-uncle. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, so I was thinking it could be taken as a little bit insensitive to Isaac when Jonathan's talking about how great his dad was and about how his dad was always there for him. Of course, he's talking about dealing with the death of his grandfather, and I'm thinking if Isaac was taking it the right way, he would think, yeah, Isaac is being encouraging here and talking about how God is there too. And I thought that was a great imagery of his dad putting his hand on his shoulder. And no matter how mad he got, no matter even if he couldn't feel his dad's hand on his shoulder anymore, he was still there. I thought, that's great. That's really good. But Isaac could also take this cynically and think, well, you're just talking about your dad and how great your dad is. Well, mine's gone and, and stuff. And it w- it's, it's good foreshadowing for what their relationship, what's eventually going to happen at the climax of, uh, mm-hmm. of this album. So I uh, thought that was decent. Well, I do have a note here that talks about Jesse did hear the conversation because she talks to Jonathan about it. <laughs> yeah. So so yeah, it's not that it's not that out of the question. So I'm guessing she was uh, <laughs> she was looking at the whales. Like she said, like there are fossils of whales, and she goes, "Whales? Are you kidding me?" And she, <laughs> that yell was really funny. Uh, but then in the middle of her geeking out about everything, there she blows. <laughs> no, they're dead by now. But. <laughs> Yeah, she's picking up bits and pieces of with her conversation. Yeah, yeah. There was something a little bit earlier I wanted to point out, like, two things. Um, first off, there's a little bit of a scare with the uh, the burner, which I mentioned, um, and they're dropping towards some power lines, uh, and then they just get to work, so that's fine. So that's why I'm wondering, that was so short, and it seemed insignificant, so I'm kind of wondering why it was in there. But, yeah, it was okay. It added a little bit to the tension, but, you know, it's fine. But then um, <laughs> we were talking about how Maddox is annoyed that Jonathan saved him, and I think Jesse is talking to Dr. Tarkin, who's there, and Dr. Tarkin says something, and she says, wow, you make everything sound so poetic, and Maddox says, really? I thought it sounded quite antiquated and impractical. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. (laughs) That's funny. (laughs) So, they get back to, I think, the dig, and they're, let's see, I can't remember what chamber, they're in a certain chamber, or... Is um, it the dig? I thought it was someplace it else. might have been. Oh, yeah, it was someplace that uh, Dr. Tarkin, I think, was showing them, maybe. Yeah, it's another dig, because then they talk to some other excavators in the next episode. But they're, they they touched down... Well, that was the point of going through... Going on the Nile, right? Because they had to get... They had to get to... Where, where was this? 
they had to get somewhere else, and that's why they were in the boats, and that's why they got in the balloon, right? Yeah, and th- and this episode ends um, on the cliffhanger, like, with the earthquake or whatever happening. Yeah. Which I don't think we ever really get an explanation of why it happened. It's no, just price right. for the, the story, which, <laughs> when I was listening to this, because I've heard the intros for the new Jonathan Park for quite a bit, and everything is happening. I think Isaac yelled or something like that. I was thinking, the mine is collapsing! <laughs> exactly. <laughs> they could have had that in there. Missed opportunity there. Wait, is that Isaac? In the intro, yeah, the minus classic? I think I think so. It sounds like. Wait, hold like on, him. hold on. But he wasn't in any of the original Jonathan Parks, right? I know, but they those are kind of clips like from like adventures that haven't happened yet or have happened in the past or something like that. I don't know. I don't know. Don't think too hard about it. <laughs> yeah, but anyway, the mine collapse. No, the temple collapses or whatever, and Isaac is trapped under some debris, which must be really painful for him. Ugh. And even more painful with Jesse singing. <laughs> Well, she's so no because we just had her singing at at the end of the last review, and she uh, it, she has such a pretty voice. Yeah. And now here she just completely butchers. I'm a little teapot. Are you kidding? Well, I mean, she's also under a lot of stress. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like I can't think of any song, <laughs> but it works. No, it does. Well, it does. I mean, it kind of works, but it kind of doesn't because Isaac still passes out. But he's he's bleeding, losing a lot of blood, and J- and Jonathan's trying to keep him awake, so he tells Jesse to sing, and she comes up with that. But, uh. Then everyone else breaks in because the the entrance was blocked off, and they all get in and tend to Isaac. And uh, I'm contrasting this with where Isaac. What what happens to him in Legend Unleashed? This will be a, a little bit of a spoiler, but I think. Uh, I think he breaks his leg or something. Yeah, so something happens to his leg, and and in that he's he's completely freaking out, and the uh, whoever it is with him is putting on a splint for him, and he's he's screaming, and he's like, "Stop, Isaac! I haven't even touched your leg yet." And here Isaac's <laughs> just like, eh, "I'm fine." So yeah. A little different. Well, actually, like, he is fine. Like, they don't actually ever take him to the hospital, and he seems to be okay. He doesn't have any injuries. But I wish they would have talked about it more because they were praying, and it sounds like God did answer their prayer, and he was fine. He could have been really, really hurt, but they don't talk – I don't think they talk about enough about it that God protected him from a lot. Yeah, at this point, there's just so much that's happened. It's kind of hard to keep track of it all, and it's kind of hard to, to see how it's weaving together into this – narrative of what's going on here in Egypt and the sabotages and everything like that or the accidents and it comes up later about oh you've had the there's so many accidents here but I I would like to see more more repercussions of all that because it seems like we hit a plot point move on hit a plot point move on oh yeah that plot point happened back there well yeah we, we saw that happen but that's just how I'm feeling about this yeah and um I don't have a whole lot of notes about it but there's a point where I think I think it's Jesse or Jonathan talking about um her, about hurting for others like hurting when they're hurting or something did, did you remember that no i didn't remember that but it was that in this episode i think it was but i have just in my notes hurting for others and i don't can't remember what it was for i probably should have put more <laughs> notes than that well i i agree this was the point where i was kind of drifting off because they were talking a lot about what was going on at the dig i thought some of the equipment was cool that they were talking about so yeah at this at this other dig there is it's gpr that's the name of it right that's the technology that they're using i think so yeah yeah and and they're using it to scan the dirt for what are they scanning it for artifacts hidden in the dirt or like chambers basically which they actually have and there's it's part of a plot point from the older episodes of jonathan park but basically i think it uses like kind of like sonar a little bit where like it'll put it out and it'll bounce back and it kind of gives it an image of what's below that way I think that's kind of how it works. Did you? Re- I think it was the Cooper Kids Adventure Series number five, that book. Did Did you read that series? Did you read that? Yeah, I've I've read all the books. Is it Is it the Secret of the Desert Stone or is it? Yeah, um, 
That was it. That was it. The, well, I don't know. I don't remember the name. Well, I was going to say, if it's Secret of the Desert Stone you're talking about, I was going to say that's my that's probably the best book of the series. I would say Flying Blind is really good, but I don't know. Uh, the Desert with the Desert Stone, they use a similar technology of where they're uh, sending shockwaves through the rock, and it's completely solid, which is cool. Oh, yeah. And here I kind of got the same thing where, like, they're scanning the dirt for things, that they, or, like, uh, using whatever technology. It's, it's cool. Mm-hmm. And then they get back to home sweet home, the other dig. Yay. Uh, and everything is and destroyed! there's an explosion. And the whole world exploded! Yeah, like, wow, that escalated quickly. <laughs> yeah, and the propane tanks that shouldn't have exploded to begin with. I remember uh, on ATC them talking about that, how propane, it's a gas, not a liquid. I, I, I completely... I, um, mm, that's so dumb. I should have picked up on that. I should have remembered that. Let's, I guess I should say this is uh, going to episode number 10, Dispering Bones Part 1. Right. Um, but yeah, they talk about that because like I think Lita talks about them making like a Molotov cocktail and like throwing it in, which I'm not, I don't think that would work unless it, if it was leaking out, maybe it might have ignited, but it wouldn't leak on the ground and then ignite. Mm-hmm. Well, it might, you might be able to stretch it that you shot a hole in the tank and then the gas was in the air and then there was just so much in the air that it exploded that way. Don't question it. They're trying to explain how an important plot point happened, but you know it's it's fine. Well, I didn't really get it when I I mean I I I took I accepted when I first heard it, and I didn't really know much about I don't know much about that kind of stuff. I didn't really think about it until JD mentioned on uh, their review of this album. Well, you think about it. My dad has always told me if you smell gas, or like if you smell propane, because propane is uh, uh, an odorless gas, and so they add odor to it so that if you smell it, you can get out of the house. Uh, but here's the thing: how are you gonna smell it if it's a liquid, right? <laughs> But yeah, that's uh, picky, picky, picky. But good for him to pick up on that. And then we get to another another great scene that uh, Jonathan and Isaac have together, where Jonathan uh, shares some of his past that when he was a kid, he um, shoplifted um, with some other friends of his. Which that's not a point that's ever been mentioned in the old series, so that's that was written for this series, by the way. Sure, sure. And, and well, here's the thing: where I mentioned before that Jonathan seems like the wit of this series. He'll get more fleshing out later. But it seems like he is this perfect character who hasn't done anything wrong. And Kendall Park gets some fleshing out in Legend Unleashed uh, and along the same lines. Uh, but here, Jonathan seems like, even though he's he's done this, it's a t- it's Isaac's right. This is just a tiny thing that he did by shoplifting, and he realized it was wrong. So it's not even a huge character flaw with him. He's just saying, yeah, I did a bad thing when I was younger. But Isaac then coming back and saying, well, I mean, uh, I can't believe you've done anything bad. I couldn't tell if that was... Isaac being, I don't know, kind of questioning of Jonathan. Sarcastic? Or... Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something like, well, yeah, you're talked up like you're this perfect guy. Well, obviously you've done something wrong. Well, I can't believe you've done something wrong. But it, the fact that this is brought up again later just makes, one, it makes it makes Isaac seem really, really petty when he does bring it up. And I get why he does it. But also, I don't. I don't know. It helps a little, but it doesn't doesn't really help the audience's perception of Jonathan. You know? Maybe it does. Well, I think because basically he talks about that. He leads into like after that why he's why he has so much scripture memorized. Oh, that's the true. More scripture you have, you know, put in the armor of God. He talks about that for a while too. Which that's true. That's good. I love them talking about it in a uh, um uh the greatest power. That's some great uh great uh explanation about the armor of God there. But this. I think he talks about a lot about how, like, you know, the more scripture you have, the more you have a response to certain situations. Like, the more you have it in your head, the more you'll have it in your heart. So when those circumstances come up, you'll have the Bible to back 
back you up or bring you away from something, whatever the situation is. This is true. This is very true. Um, one of my, I don't know how much I've talked about this, but I had a run-in with an, an old friend who was bringing up Scripture against to use against Christianity and like proving how the Bible is, uh, is full of contradictions and stuff. And I wasn't able to respond to him until I went back later after a discussion, and I found that like three verses later, there was a verse that talked about why the contradiction was there. And I thought, what? That's ridiculous. Why didn't I remember that verse? So memorizing scripture and knowing the Bible is really invaluable. If there's one thing you do in your life, memorize scripture, memorize the Bible, get in the word. It is it, pay, it pays off in ways you'll never expect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and a lot of people take scripture out of context. Like, you know, lift out of context. One verse doesn't necessarily bring up the whole idea like in uh the poor rich guy oh yeah where they have that verse before it where it says um that jesus says it's very difficult or something like that or he talks about like or i think it's before after like who then can be saved like without god um it's impossible so you know reading the verses around like before and after is going to help a lot and i know there's lots of scriptures like just one verse on their own stand alone on their own and speak to certain things but knowing the whole concept around it is is even more helpful, especially when you're talking to people that are trying to use just one verse out of the Bible to try to discredit it. Exactly. And knowing the context and defending all of Scripture and know, like understanding, do I agree with this? And if I don't, why not? And that's something I need to figure out for myself. Uh, but then under also understanding these verses are commonly used. This is the exegetical, like in the word, in the context, explanation of why that verse is there and what that verse means. Yeah, but then uh, in the meantime, we have Jesse, who's organizing a bunch of the artifacts that I guess were like displaced by the explosion with Dr. Maddox. And I liked I liked the scene between Dr. Maddox and Jesse because it uh, brought up she was kind of tr- starting to bring up uh, what to, to bring up his past and stuff. Mm-hmm. Who's Sarah? Yeah, yeah. She she's starting to talk about it. He's like, ah, nah, whatever. And she's kind of brushing her off. And then she brings up Sarah, and the music starts in the background, and that's that was a good move to start building the tension right there. And he gets really defensive. She's none of your concern, and he says like you you sh- you better stop or else or something like that. And she says, like, "Are you threatening me?" Well, yeah, because Jesse, because you're meddling. Like he, you're, you should see that he's not interested in talking about it. And I get why she's being pushy because she wants to know, but also he is kind of within his territory to say, "Stop it, please don't." continue talking about this well to be fair he is kind of a public figure uh-huh. yeah. and he has her name in the book so it's natural that people might think okay what's this about like it doesn't have to be explained it may right. be just for specific people right. i mean it's a natural question like some people might be like okay who's that who's this person but since we know later on that you know it is tied to something very personal and very sad for him right right so that's why he doesn't want to talk about it. and i get it uh, so he's he should be able to take the question. I think he did take the question at first, and he was like, oh, I don't want to mention it. And then Jesse just pressed further, and that's where I thought, eh, you should have backed off just a little bit. Yeah, well, I think she was a little more polite and a little more tactful than she was in the past with him. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, I appreciated that. Like, uh, as opposed to the first, was it the second episode? Or the third? I think it was the third episode where he revealed that, oh, I'm behind everything. Okay, sure. And she was very upset at him. Whereas here, the contra- there's a, an even greater contrast right here. Yeah, and then they have that snake, and he saves her from it. Yeah, she starts to grab it. She thinks it's a rope. He's like, no, it's a horned viper, and she's very scared about it. And they talked about the axe head earlier in the in the uh, the scene, and I like that they brought it back. Good foreshadowing. Yeah, and there's good uh, tension right there where we don't know what's going to happen. She's warning him, don't, don't move, stop it. He's getting closer, and then grabs the axe head, chops the snake, and uh, it's all good. 
And she's wondering, oh, I wonder where it came from. Like, why was it here? And he says, well, the important thing is that the snake is dead. Wit. Well, the better question is, what do Emily and Matthew have to lose? You're just misdirecting. <laughs> What's going on here? <laughs> well, later on, they, uh, I think Dr. Quinn says that it's not, it's usually in higher elevation or something like that. And he kind of pushes aside there. And he says, like, uh, the important thing is that everyone is all right. Let's not talk about that. And then Dr. Maddox talks to Isaac and gives him the opportunity of a lifetime. Ooh, right. So Maddox has always been close to Isaac because he like sees that Isaac is kind of questioning of his faith and questioning of the Bible. And so this is the opportunity he takes to plant these seeds of doubt, to uh, which they talk about doubt later on uh, in, in Jonathan Park. But here is a doubt of like, well, you, you'd want to you'd work with me, right? Like, you don't have to continue your education and... And Stephanie kind of bring, gets personal, like your, your dear mother could not have known that she would lose her husband. So appealing to Isaac's emotions. And he wants to make Isaac the guy who's the spokesperson and everything. And Isaac's like, ah, I don't know. I don't know. But he, he does want to do it. But you can see that he's pushing back a tiny bit because he, he he's, he's still not completely sure what he thinks about Dr. Maddox, right? Yeah. And he also mentions um, trying to get Jonathan and Jesse to leave, which right, he's probably right. saying, okay, they're not getting scared off of this other stuff. Maybe hearing it from Isaac will do the trick. That kind of should have been Isaac's first inclination that something was wrong because Isaac has been – Isaac has known Jonathan for longer than he's known Maddox, at least a little bit longer. And so Isaac has seen all these weird things that have been happening. The people have been trying to run him off the road, the piece of pottery at the beginning that Isaac was there. They heard – what's his name? Uh, Yosef, y- Yosef, give it to them in English. He knows there's something fishy here. Isaac knows that somebody's meddling, and yet here is Dr. Maddox now saying we need to get them out of the picture, and Isaac doesn't react to that? He must be pretty far gone to, to not even question that. Or maybe um, him getting under all that debris earlier actually knocked a lot of sense out of him. <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope not. <laughs> I'd hate that to be his, his character development. <laughs> So after that, we do come to the news reporter, and I can't remember his name. Did they give a name for him? Hunter Flanagan, and he is probably one of my worst, my least favorite characters in all of audio drama. Hmm. Not kidding. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't stand this guy. Why is that? Well, because he is a, a terrible news reporter. Uh, because he, I don't know. He's more like a tabloid writer. I, I, he's he's supposed to be he's supposed to be bad, but a thing the thing is he goes through and. Maybe if I can – do you want to run through the scene or do you want me to? You probably have more notes on it than I do, so go ahead. Yeah, so the the pacing of the interview goes, he's like, oh, we're setting up, and then starts to talk to Dr. Quinn about the statue that he found and the fragments, and he asks about, well, do you have any experts to confirm that this might be Joseph? And he says, yeah, it's Dr. Maddox. And, and what about Kendall Park? He was supposed to be here too. Yeah, but we requested him, but he couldn't come. No, no, he is that. And then all of a sudden he launches into something you're not supposed to do uh, when you're doing an interview or uh, during a debate or during like cross-examination in court, um, he starts asking, isn't it true questions? And like, isn't it true you've had a bunch of accidents? And he doesn't let Quinn say anything. He just asks the questions rapid fire, building his own case and steamrolling over everyone. And if he already had this, why are you going into it thinking, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. I'm going to do my job as a news reporter and interview these people and just say things in front of them and see how they react. That's not proper reporting. It makes him look like a jerk. And... The the weird thing is that Quinn should have stopped the interview right there once he started asking those questions. But even when the cameraman is like, should I stop? And uh, what Flanagan says, no, no, this is getting interesting. Keep going. And then he talks about the 
the fragment that Jonathan had that seems to have shown up at the Creation Museum. And Jonathan's like, this can't be happening. And all of this is going on. I think, why are you guys even allowing him to be here? Just tell him, okay, stop. We're not answering your questions. You can make as many conjectures as you want to, but we we stand on our own defense. We don't have to answer to you. And then we come back on the quote-unquote interview, which, I, which is actually an interrogation, and we finally get Maddox saying, all right, that's it. Uh, we're done here. Like, why... <laughs> Why didn't you say that sooner? Wait, I thought Quinn said that. I'm sorry, Quinn says it. Yeah, Maddox would say it. Maddox loves this. Like, he loves the attention. Uh, but yeah, Isaac uh, uh, Isaac is in there, too. Like, I, I can get to this. But uh, when Quinn finally says, like, all right, th- that's enough. You need to get out of here. I want to ask, like, what are you doing here? And, like, who are you and why are you here? The fact that he didn't say that sooner is it's bad on, it's bad on Hunter Flanagan for being so pushy and being so nosy. And it's bad on Quinn for not bringing it up sooner and not being not being the bigger person here and not taking like, I guess, taking authority and saying, hey, that's that's too far. You're intimidating the the people here. This isn't proper reporting. I don't know. It really rubbed me the wrong way. Yeah. And also it could be, too, that, you know, they're kind of blindsided, like, like, you know, kind of speech is like, what, what, wait, what, what's going on here? And then they take some while to like, gather their thoughts. Yeah. Which it leads into uh, episode 11, right. part uh, two of Disturbing Bones. And there's a quick mention here. Like, he talked about like, the Creation Museum. He talks about, talks about like, the Creation Works team. Oh, yeah. Something like that. <laughs> Isn't that the executive producer of the of the original Jonathan Park? Well, that's the thing. So, in the original series, they had the Creation Response team, which they had the team from the Parks and Brennans and some friends and family members that went to different areas and talked about creation and stuff like that. They don't mention it in the series. They talk about it here. I'm not sure if it's a slip of the tongue or what. But Creation Works was like the... They're the organization that bought out Jonathan Park from Vision Forum when they closed down. And then it was Creation Quest later when they didn't have... Like Pat Roy had when it was Creation Quest after um, he lost uh, the series. Oh, yeah. So I'm not sure how much they wrote into this or what. But I was thinking, okay, you could have just said the Creation Response team, or you could have just said, you know, their team or something like that. So, like, did you have to? Did you have to make a, a fourth wall reference right there to the Creation Works? I don't know. Maybe. I don't. I don't. I don't know if it's intentional or not, but it's there. It stuck out to me. <laughs> sure. And there was one point too where the news reporter uh, says, like, turned to Jesse, like, is, uh, like, is, is Jonathan your boyfriend? <laughs> I wish. <laughs> which they never really talk about it much until I think a little bit in Light in the Shadows, which they don't talk about it at all in the really the original series which i'm glad because you know especially since they're younger than they're too young oh but you know they're older now so i <laughs> yeah. uh i would be down for that <laughs> yep me too <laughs> i have a couple ships in mind but you know um that's that's my thoughts if we get there i'll talk about it <laughs> and at this point isaac does bring up uh jonathan's past and he does it again like he doesn't say the entire truth he does talk about, like, oh, he's stolen things from before. He didn't tell him, like, that was, like, when he was a kid. He wasn't, you know, smuggling uh, artifacts mm. when he was, like, 10 or whatever. Am I supposed to... How... <laughs> am I supposed to understand Isaac here, or am I supposed to dislike him? Like, what is my reaction supposed to be to this? Like, it's the seeds that... A seeds of doubt or whatever that Dr. Maddox planted are yeah. growing, and he's he's pushing them to it. Like, he talked to him, I think, while they were doing the interview. Like, yeah, this is your opportunity. Like, be the spokesperson and be all this. And then he, <laughs> right. you know makes Jonathan sound like an awful person. Well, it's not even having, and that kind of ties into what Jonathan was saying about having scripture memorized and knowing how, knowing deception, recognizing that deception and being able to speak out against it. But it's not even having scripture memorized. It's just knowing when people are lying to you and, and trying to see 
who do I trust and who has built trust with me and who has tried to manipulate me into into gaining his trust, being that person being Maddox? And who am I hurting in the process in following this other person who has tried to build trust with me because he wants to use me? And that would be the person he's hurting is I is is Jonathan in doing that. I, I get his objective here, but he, for him to realize if I were to have this position with Maddox and have to do these terrible things to, to get there, you might want to rethink what you're doing. And he does eventually. And then I think we have another scene with uh, Jesse and Arthur Maddox, right? Because I think he talks about like how her digging into his past is like, Oh wait, no, that was early. Never mind. I, I'm getting mixed up there. Yeah. Well, right after this, we have, um, we have all the, all the guys like the reporter and the cameraman, all the guys, two of them, they leave with Quinn and Quinn's going to go question them. And Jonathan starts to go in a very interesting direction. And this is where my final critique, like the overall critique of the ending comes into play. I like this first part, though. Jonathan is infuriated that Isaac has uh, thrown him under the bus. And he's talking to Jesse, and Jesse's like, well, you, you might want to calm down for a second or just take a minute to, to cool down. And I and Jonathan's saying, no, I need to go confront Isaac about what he just did. That was terrible. And he is he is visually if audio was visual, visually angry, or you can hear it in his voice. Obviously, he is, uh, as well as the words that he's saying. He wants to go. He wants to go find Isaac. He wants there to be the interrogation that eventually happens with Isaac. The confrontation, not interrogation. That's what the reporter was doing, and that's where I like how this is Jonathan's flaw. If he's so perfect, he has the potential to be complacent in that quote-unquote perfection, or the ability to be uptight about it. And so for this to be brought out and for this to be Jonathan's character flaw, I think has a lot of potential for the end of the series. However, that's not what eventually happens. But that's just, that's what happens right there. And then we get a scene of um, Lita talking to the reporters. But that's what I had to that's what I had to say about that little line right there. Jonathan's flaw in the original series, um, in the first album at least, he had this he had an issue with pride. Like, oh, my dad knows this, and like, oh, I'm the son of this person actually a little bit in the second album too so early on that was kind of part of his character and after a while um it did you know that didn't come up much and he became much more of a i guess more of a perfect character and he still had some, a little bit of flaws here and there or had some doubts about some things but i mean, I don't think pride really has much to do with it with this that's just a that's a character assassination really what isaac did it is it is um and like he he's right to be angry but I agree with Jesse, take a minute and go to Isaac with a cool head rather than while you're while you're so frustrated. There were a couple lines. Uh, I love Lita. She continues to be a fantastic character. And uh, when they're, when the reporter comes in, he's like, oh, you got to admit, this is pretty interesting stuff. I'm like, you just, you said all the interesting stuff. You didn't learn anything. <laughs> what are you talking about? Of course, you're, you're defaming these people. Why are they going to think it's interesting? And then... Uh, Lita asked him, are you even interested in hearing what's happening here? I'm like, thank you. That's exactly my point. He's not. But <laughs> Lita, pointing out that there's a loser character isn't an excuse for that character to be a loser. So I'm like, okay, sure. Whatever. Whatever. There you go. No, but then Maddox pulls an interesting card on Jesse where he's talking about, well, maybe you should go back and planning that idea. And he says, since you don't really have a lot else to do here except dig up dirt on me and Trying to dig up dirt on someone, you know, isn't becoming a Christian come late, uh, a Christian young lady. That's not. Uh, he's he's trying to say this isn't something you should be doing. And I thought, ooh, that's interesting. Uh, tie into Rattle Re- Revelations there, like <laughs> Emily going after Maury. So 
Jesse going after Maddox, is there a way to do it as a Christian and not be like you're taking someone down and having a, a vendetta against someone in that way? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I think we probably discussed, discussed that in depth, but and that was interesting. I think that's, I did have that in my notes, like what kind of testimony is that? I think that's what it was referring to. Mm-hmm. Then that's, and that's true. But yeah, we can jump to the next scene in which Jonathan, uh, Isaac is in the, in, like, is he in the dig or is someplace there? I, yeah, I think it's, they're in one of the, I think he's supposed to go to get like a binder or something from of Dr. Quinn's that was in one of the dig sites in the tomb or whatever, and then bring it out to him and Jonathan confronts him there. Jonathan goes after him and this is a very dark scene, uh, especially contrasted with what we, what we know of Isaac in the future, but the, it, it goes, it, when I first heard that, I thought, wow, okay, you just did that. But this is the this is the proper culmination of the relationship between Isaac and Jonathan. I think this had to happen eventually, where Jonathan is saying, why'd you do that? And Isaac says, well, grow up, Jonathan. People can't be trusted. And it keeps it keeps escalating. John, Isaac is angry at Jonathan for what? For Is he is this the part where he's talking about, like, you're, you're so perfect or, and everything? Or uh, But then they, they get in there, and Isaac throws the first punch. Jonathan pushes back. Isaac's like, why did you do that? And uh, Jonathan's like, you, you, you punch, you swung at me. I'm defending myself. Then Isaac just goes, picks up a rock. I'm guessing hits Jonathan in the head. Yeah. Yeah, that's not good. Ah. I feel bad about this, and I don't like Isaac at all with this, but it escalates. But it, I think it's one of the best sound design, acting, and music in the series. I think. Agreed. Because we have, I think they have great emotion on both. They, what they're agreeing their lines, yeah, great with this, and you feel bad about what's happening. You don't like Isaac, kind of sympathizing with Jonathan, but you're kind of like, oh, okay, Jonathan, don't go there. And then you know, and it's really serious. Like he swings at him, kind of like almost like Cain and Abel, yeah, almost. <laughs> or some might say Joseph and his brothers. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I thought like he like, yeah I'll stay there like like get up and then he kind of realized okay like maybe he knocked him out or, or just stay there he doesn't even think really much yeah that he could have killed him whether or not it was fully warranted from the previous yeah it is it is good here like he's really angry like when you're angry you can't think straight especially as far as he went with that so for him also like blocking the door behind him or something that's that's probably even more so like I would think he probably would have been knocked him and just left him there but locking him up in there that's probably too far I think. For what his character progression was. Yeah, so I'm wondering, was this actually warranted from from the previous episodes? Not necessarily in the first half, but I know more recently probably. Because I think Dr. Maddox is the is the linchpin in a lot of this. Yeah, well he just happened the previous episode, right? Mm-hmm. So it's I'm thinking if it's just in this final three parter, we we did see pieces of it back in the beginning where they were talking about Isaac's dad and he's antagonistic about it. And then here, I think I think it does it does follow. It's just I'm sad he's going this way. I wish I wish there'd be a little more nuance, but it is it is good for the story. This is the proper climax to the story. Yeah, and he kind of leaves and he says, "Sleep tight, buddy." Uh, and then the music is great. The music that it ends on is great. It's different yes. than a lot of the other uh, music cues from earl- the earlier episodes. But I saw it kind of just kind of goes lower and lower and lower. And it oh, you mean fades out. the end of the episode? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That was really that was really weird. I was like, oh, what just happened? Why why is the music still going on? But but yeah, yeah. So we come to the last part, uh, part three of Disturbing Bones, and yeah. they found I think Doctor Tarkin finds something that 
Kamal basically talks about that Ramses isn't the fear of the Exodus, which they've covered this in the Whispering Figs, but that's the last time I'll say anything about it, <laughs> at least for this album. <laughs> well, and another thing is we were talking last time about the historical accuracy here, and if there was this evidence that proved it, then that fixes the timeline problem, right? Like, if he mentioned... If he mentioned the quote about Israel is laid waste, then, you know, that and Maddox thinks it's a forgery. But if that does exist somewhere, that is pretty solid evidence. And for that to be contained within Jonathan Park is kind of like, well, you know, that's kind of indisputable evidence, right? So how are you going to work that in, have this miraculous or fabulous discovery at the end for the audio drama, but also have it play into the real world, you know? Yeah. Again, like I talked about in our last review, like, they don't do enough to differentiate between fiction and facts, which the original series did do better. So right. they do... Okay, I said I wouldn't talk about it, so I won't. But <laughs> I'll say this thing has been mentioned sometime in the past. I won't say the name. Sphinx. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but Isaac, uh, he talks to the reporter, and the reporter gets him to tell him too much about the dig. We're, we're skipping over what's happening in the meantime. In the meantime, I uh, Jonathan is, is stuck, and he's waking up, and we don't get a Jonathan recap at the beginning of this episode because Jonathan's injured, you know? Well, isn't that the first like the first part of the three-parters? I think that's when they only have them, really, usually, right? No, they had one in, in e- the part twos as well. Oh, okay. They had a, a Jonathan recap every single time. And one time he actually – there's actually – I wrote down this. where at the end of The Secret of the Nile. He says, I wish you could have been with us on the Nile or, or in that hot air balloon or something. I was like, you? <laughs> Who's he talking to? But obviously here, he's uh, in trouble. He's not giving the recap because we hear him saying, oh, my head, where am I? And then Richard Maxwell walks up. But yeah, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, he's way too scared and uh, hurt right now to do a monologue. Right, right. And he's he's crying for help, cries to God at one point. I thought, mm, that's good. His actor is so good. Yeah. I think his name's Jesse Abiel, if I'm not mistaken. Good job for him. But I have this written in my notes. I have my answer to this, but do you think there's too much him talking to himself there or not? Um, With him trying to get out. Yes, I would say there's too much. I don't think it's a lot. I think you could rephrase some of the things he said, maybe cut out 20% of his talking, and it would still be fine. Yeah, I, I, I believe that, you know... He should still talk to himself. Like, you know, people do talk to themselves a oh, yeah, lot. Oh, yeah, I do. Especially yeah. if you're in danger. Like, you're trying to keep yourself, you know, focused on this. Sometimes talking about it out loud is easier to focus on if it's just in your mind. Right. Just track down John Fornoff and see what he says to himself and then just use that. Like, natural <laughs> people talking to themselves. Yeah, you know. <laughs> and, uh, well, we it comes back and forth, like, two scenes, I think, with Jonathan trying to get out. Yeah. Um, but in between those, we hear Delta Kendall Park arrives at the dig. Yay! I love Kendall Park. Yeah, I'm glad I we got to hear his voice more because like on the phone when I first heard him, like I thought it sounded like the original actor quite a bit. So I did like that they did bring him in near the end. We got to hear his voice a little bit more there. Right, and I was as soon as he popped up, I was like, this is a foreshadowing of the things that are gonna come. Like he's gonna be a huge character later on. But in the meantime, he I love his voice. He's got such a warm, rich tone. I imagine him having, I, I don't know, I have a very distinctive haircut in mind for him. It's funny with his with his voice and everything, but yeah, I love his character. And so Jonathan, um, he finally does get out, and he finds, I think, a sarcophagus. Yes! Yeah, he comes out, and, well, I guess we should say, like, Isaac, he's, like, trying to, like, oh, Jonathan's just all by himself or whatever. He keeps covering yeah. that up. And in the meantime, when Isaac's stuck down there, he has a line where he says, oh, I wish I could see, which... You mean Jonathan, right? <laughs> Words! Jonathan is stuck down there, and Jonathan's saying, yeah, I wish I could see. Uh, and uh, it's cool because of when he's in there, 
you, you think, well, there might be some light shining through, but no, he's, one, he's been left there by Isaac, and two, he's kind of blind in this circumstance, so he's he's feeling along the walls to try to find it, and that's another reason why he's talking to himself, because if you don't have that light input, uh, he needs to have something else there to keep him sane, so... I liked I liked that little bit of him saying that line. Yeah, he finally does get out, and he doesn't say a whole lot. Well, he does say that Isaac trapped him in there. Yep. Which the other people don't really seem to take that as such a big deal. But I know they were like you know excited <laughs> about the the find or whatever. I think I think he was saying that to like just Jesse and Kendall or something like that. Oh. Okay. Because because you know we've had those moments in the past where the characters are kind of standing around and a private conversation is happening among two of the characters and the other characters are like, Oh, I had no idea you were in a private conversation here. Let me show you this discovery or something like that. But that's, that's what I think is happening here. Okay. Yeah. And I think at this point, I mean, Jonathan finally does, he does calm down and it's a good thing he did. Like he comes to the point that he does forgive Isaac and Isaac finally does feel sorry for what he did. Do you think, I don't know. what do you think about that uh, scene? I didn't like it because we just had the whole thing of Jonathan getting angry and rushing in impulsively after Jesse warned him not to. And in a way, if he had de-escalated and approached Isaac when they weren't alone and when he wasn't frustrated, this wouldn't have happened. But Isaac still would have had to deal with what he did and deal with him betraying Isaac in front of the news reporter. You mean betraying uh, Jonathan. Why? (laughs) Keep all these bloopers in here. This is this is fantastic. Uh, Isaac betraying Jonathan like he did in front of the news reporter. So we would have had to have that eventually. But the way that it's resolved here is that Jonathan again approaches Isaac and says, why did you do that? I can't believe you did that. It was so terrible. And we have the conversation that I think would have been happened. We should, should have had before where Isaac is still angry at Jonathan and like you're you're so perfect you see, like Jesse was saying you're you're this perfect person is that that's what he was saying right I think yeah at some point he did or like that Jonathan he's saying that Jonathan gets to do everything and he's left behind he's the one who's getting the degree he's the one who wants to do it and Isaac is really feeling left out and Jonathan is it seems like there's still there's still tension here and I understand but this is all stuff that probably would have been better leading up to the confrontation in the dig rather than afterward because that would have added a lot more to what happened. That would have fleshed out Isaac a little bit more. And here, it seems like it would have been better for Jonathan to say, what you did was wrong, Isaac, and I feel betrayed by you, but I'm also sorry. I should have waited until I was more calmed down as well. Yeah, he should have apologized a little bit. Because otherwise, it just otherwise it just keeps Jonathan in this place of being perfect. Because Jonathan has nothing to apologize for. But he does. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think it was fairly good acting with that, too. And, yeah, it is. You would think that Jonathan would f- would forgive him. But one thing, one line, it's because it's a goof. Because Isaac oh. <laughs> says, my dad will never forgive me. Like, what? Wait. Your dad, what? your dad died. Does it, Does Isaac say that? Yeah, he says that. Because I, I went back and listened. I'm like, wait, did he say that? Because he was talking about, like, how bad he felt and all this. Like, my dad will never forgive me. I was like, wait, what? Did he say my dad? Where was this timestamp? Do you have the timestamp for this one? I don't, but it's in that scene where he talks about forgiving him. Like, oh, I felt terrible. I thought maybe he thought he said like God wouldn't forgive him or something. But like, no, he says my dad. No, he says your dad. He doesn't say my dad. Oh, okay. He says my dad. Or oh, so like Jonathan's dad he said your dad. Yes, he says I can't expect you to forgive me, and your dad will never forgive me. Okay, okay. It was kind of quiet there, and I couldn't. It was. I didn't understand yeah. that. Okay. 
All right, it's not a goof. It's a goof from Austin. Never mind. Yay! Okay, we're good. <laughs> <laughs> I do like this connection because uh, Jonathan brings it up where he feels a little bit like Joseph himself with this. He, they, you know, they found him in a pit. He's falsely accused. He's brought up, brought up to like a higher position. He betrayed, and his father came kind of like like Jacob. And I kind of like that because even though I've only heard the series once before um, doing this review, uh, I've heard it twice. But the second time, I had forgot about them talking about that. But I think it, I like that because it's not forcing everything into that storyline. It's just if you pick it up on the, along the way, yeah. But I like they talk about it and like you look look back like oh yeah that is kind of like Joseph's life. I think it's kind of cool. I don't know how I feel about that because I have a, a sinking feeling that the writer of this was basing it off of the story of Joseph and looking at the beats of the story of Joseph and thinking here's where here's what happens to Joseph here's what's gonna happen to Jonathan and then basing the story outline off of that. If that's what happened, because then they talk about it in the next scene and really bring out, wow, we're seeing all these parallels. I think, well, you wrote this thing. Like, you're the one who, who set it up to be this way. So I feel like it was a bit a bit more intentional in, and then coincidental in bringing it out. So I don't know. I guess if you liked it, then that's good. Well, like, I think, like, even if they left that off, it would be okay. If they left it in, I think it would be okay. Because it's not super obvious. It's kind of fun. There's... Again, I'm talking about another series, but there's some Paws and Tales episodes that kind of parallel some Bible stories, which are really, Ooh. one especially is really, really cool. Oh, I'm excited for that. But I do like how, you know, that happens. But with this, it could be, you could either see it or you not see it. It's not, it doesn't seem super intentional until the very end here. So I could see how that line about that could have been cut. Right, right. And we have kind of a wrap up. We find out that Dr. Maddox is going to be leaving the dig. Dr. Parker's going to another dig, and Jesse and Isaac and Jonathan are going to be going to another dig as well. And that's the next album. Coming soon. Yep. Yeah, so we, we end on a we end on a good note um, in terms of everything is pretty much wrapped up. They've kind of concluded that it is Joseph that was there, and that the timeline is off and everything's good now, right? Or are they still continuing to try to figure all this stuff out? Hmm, yeah. I don't know. I mean, everything is kind of wrapped up except the Dothramatics thing and the sabotage and all that because yeah. it continues in the next one. Spoiler alert. Right. <laughs> but I think it is enough of a wrap-up for most everything. It works for, like, a self-contained album that has enough to go on to the next one. But it doesn't but at least it doesn't end on, like, a, an absolute cliffhanger, which I don't necessarily like that happening in albums. Unless the next album is going to be, like, real close close coming out to it. Right. But I think it's a good a good enough Again, this is probably my least favorite of the new new albums, yeah. the new adventures. Yeah. There's some good moments. There's 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 some good acting moments and some good like lessons. But I know it's a very it's a very far cry from a lot of the original series. And again, for what what's going to come. But you know, the worst is over, and good things are coming. <laughs> Overall, if this is the worst. I enjoyed the album, and I enjoyed listening to the characters, and, and the writing wasn't awful. I, I com- I'm continually annoyed by the lack of ambiance, but I know that's going to be fixed, and the music makes up for it, because the mu- because you can't beat Jared de Pasquale. He's so good. And in the meantime, I, I enjoyed getting to know the characters, and I'm looking forward to what comes next. And the story intrigues me, and despite my, despite my, also my thoughts about the story and about the character development, about the climax, 
uh, I do like these the direction that new Jonathan Park is taking. Even though I'm not familiar with the old one, uh, this is why I bought Jonathan Park, because I wanted to stick it out. And knowing what's to come makes me even more excited for what's to come. So here's a question. When you, I know you had bought all the new albums together. So when you first heard, first heard this uh, last episode, what were you most wanting to happen in the next album? I don't know. <laughs> I think I, I think I wanted to learn more about the side of Doctor Maddox. That was probably that was probably it. Uh, but I was also waiting for because I knew that on Audio Theater Central there were the clips about where they or where they talked about how the audio quality is so much better. So I was also anticipating the audio quality really improving over the next couple series. So. I think story-wise, probably Maddox, uh, and then quality-wise, hearing when it turns to, like, a competitor for Odyssey. And maybe at some point in the future, we'll review the next Jonathan Park album, but before then, we'll probably get into some more Pods and Tales episodes. Who knows? Hopefully! Yeah, I want to get back to those. I hear there are some fun ones coming up. Yeah. Or maybe that's just me anticipating. Well, thank you, Michael, for joining me once again, and thank you, everyone else, for listening. It's been fun. Yeah, I hope you all are enjoying this, and uh, I'll be around as long as you want me to, to join you for Austin for these reviews. It's, it's fun to branch out and review more than just Odyssey.